0: Hey everybody, we're back with another commission podcast, and due to the nature of the work, I think it's going to require a bit of an explanation. So, the commissioner is a fellow who wants to be uh, credited as Liver Dad, and he commissioned to us to watch his fan edits of the Walking Dead season three. Now, a fan edit is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. You take a piece of work like a film, or in this case, a TV show, and you treat it just like uh, an editor in Hollywood treats raw footage they get from the director. You splice it, you reassemble it, you change the sequences, you can put in different audio and visual effects, you can take stuff out. Um, And that's just what Liver Dad's done here. He took the first ten episodes of The Walking Dead Season 3 and turned them into two movies, one called the Killer Within, one made The Suffer. Combined, they run for just about 3.5 hours. Jim, I still think it's premature to talk about what we think of this edit, because I want to talk a little bit about the history of fan edits and their legality and other questions. Because I imagine a lot of people have no idea what the subculture is about. Um, you've been in it. I think more than I have. You want to talk a little bit about like the history of fan edits when you became aware of them and then we can kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not like a fan edit scholar. There are people out there who are like way into this scene. Um I, I was kind of on the edges of it. And the thing that really started it for me was the, the Star Wars prequels. Um the, Those prequels were, you know, notoriously bad. And because they were, you know, in the Star Wars line, everybody loved star wars people wanted to see better films uh and it was clear that george lucas was not going to make those better films um and and so people just started tinkering with what they had you know and this is something that's incredibly difficult to do because you talked about like oh a fan edit is just essentially taking you know the editing process uh with less footage but it's but it's already cut footage. Um, you don't have a yeah. lot of the luxuries that editors have where like they have separate audio tracks. Then none of the music is, is layered over, um, the dialogue yet. They, they, they just have multiple have so- takes, right? Multiple takes hours of footage to condense down. Uh, this is an order of magnitude harder in my opinion to do well, um, to, to, to take already cut footage and, and cut it down further. But yeah, I, I got into it. Um, around the phantom menace time with a couple of different edits and and there was already a pretty vibrant scene back then um this was in the early 2000s i guess is when i i learned of this stuff um and i actually got into it a little bit further because there's a site called fanedit.org which has been around for i don't know two decades at this point um And they are kind of the IMDB or the warehouse, I guess, for most of this. Like you can't download the files directly from them, but they have like links to places where the files, like the video files are archived and stuff and all these fan edits can be downloaded. Um, But every fan edit is kind of this, this idea is to make it an official movie. And so you have everything that goes along with that, including like cover art for DVD or Blu-ray cases, Um, and I get into designing a few of those. I've done like four or five of those. Um, I did stuff for, for star Wars, Phantom Menace stuff. I did, uh, covers for like Batman forever fan edits and final fantasy spirits within fan edits, just random shit. Um, and, and I, um, I
0: think that's a good the point that, like, the fan edit community is usually fostered around films that need work, right? Oh, yeah. Like, when when I'm hearing your, like, th- there's a list of, like, the ones that I'm familiar with, like, you know, the Phantom Edit, uh-huh. uh, which was, I think, the, the first one I ever remember. I remember yeah, there being yeah. speculation, did, did Kevin Smith do this? Did Topher Grace <laughs> do this? Um, the Matrix deionized, uh-huh. uh, or desionized, rather, Spider-Man 3 Redemption Waterworld, the Ulysses cut, like, it... it I did a it's Transformers
1: not, DVD cover.
0: Yeah, it's usually not fan edits of, like, uh The Godfather. Right. Or Saving Private Ryan. It's usually stuff that maybe has some good ideas, but uh went off into the weeds, or maybe got bloated, or Oh, fan edits whatever. are
1: entirely predicated on disappointment. That That's, like, <laughs> the, the whole idea sure. behind a fan edit is, God, I'm disappointed with something that I really was excited about. Uh... Yeah. Um so that's a whole scene. It's a whole damn scene. There are hundreds, thousands of these things on the internet. Like I said yeah. fanedit.org is the place to go if you want to check these out.
0: Uh w- can you speak to the legality of fan edits because there there's a lot of stuff on the internet that occupies uh legal gray zones. I mean, if you yeah. want to get pedantic, all of these are legal black zones like um but like there's like a band the concept of abandonware, the idea that there's a video game that three studios ago went bankrupt and you could you could play it if you have an emulator but there's no legal way to buy it so a lot of people maintain archives site for you to download because like well it's certainly copyright infringement but if there's <laughs> yeah. no legal way to buy a copy of something uh then what is it is it better just to forget these things um what is the legal? What, what's kind of the legal argument or merit for fan edits? Like, what is the the legal fig leaf here?
1: I'll I'll preface it with: Look, I'm not a lawyer. Neither of us are. Um, but it, these almost certainly aren't legal because they use so much of the footage. They're they are transformative in a way, but they're not commentary, really. They're not educational, really. Um, you'd have a hard time arguing that. That a fan edit was legal if you were trying to like profit off of a fan edit that you did,
0: mm-hmm. but most fan edits are not for profit. And yeah. in, in our case, we're going to share a link, um, which I think is um, is allowed to link to something. Um, and yeah, I would, uh, the, the, but the, but the thing is, is like um, fan edits like do mostly saw sol- like uh, satisfy three out of the four like criteria for fair use because they're usually not commercial, they're substantially transformative. Uh, but the, the ones they fall down on is they are 100% usually some other copyrighted work that's just re-edited. Um, but you know, I also think that the other thing is they don't, they don't really do harm to oh, no. the original copyrighted work from a fan. In fact, a lot of times they, they, they benefit because, you know, you might hear that a movie is terrible. You get a, you get a chance to watch a fan edit and then you want to go back and compare it to the original. Um, but to be safe, like if you're, you know, if, if you own, uh, if, if you're an Amazon Prime member or if you are a current subscriber to Netflix right now in September 2020, you already own the license to all this footage, the raw footage. You can watch it right now. So, yeah. um, you know, again, this is like legal, like speeding 10 miles an hour over the speed limit's legal. <laughs> sure. You know, uh, most chances you're going to get you're going to get away with it. You know, if you're in a school zone. And you get popped by a cop, maybe, maybe not. So uh, everybody, I, I think we've said enough about that. I, I don't really, I don't really care because no, I, no, t- no. T- to me, like I, I'm much less concerned about legalities of things than the ethics and moral morality. And to the extent that the legal stuff is driven by ethics and morality, I think that's something we should follow. But copyright, uh, t- there's a very loose coupling. To moral the ethics and legality in this in this case, in my opinion. So. Oh, for sure.
1: Especially the ones that are like super transformative because there's a whole like subculture within the fan edit scene that is not like, oh, we're going to make this seriously better. It's like right. th- there's a Star Wars episode four cut that I was just search- searching around on fanedit.org. There's a cut that just takes all of the scenes and organizes them by how long they are. Like it takes every cut yeah. and it starts, you know, with the shortest cut and then just moves its way toward the longest cut. That's got to be insane to watch. And and it's certainly or, not, it has no bearing on what the final, what the original product was, right? So sure, it's super transformative. How could that possibly be illegal? Uh, and it's so much damn fun that it shouldn't be, even if it technically right. is.
0: Right. Like I've seen a couple like the B movie, except for every time someone says the word B, it speeds up. 50% for exactly, Star yeah. Wars, except for every time someone shoots a laser, it speeds up by 20 or 50%. Uh-huh. You and I wanted to make a Twilight <laughs> fan edit where you edit out any frame where someone's blinking. Like it, there's all kinds of like things. The Genesis
1: of the silent movies feature that we did. Not sure. Not too right. long ago. Right.
0: Right. Um, so I have, I have a lot of, I, I got a the place in my heart for fan edits, and I think a lot yeah. of them, um, and, you know, again, some of them are super high profile. I mean, it's arguable that George Lucas himself fan edits his work, uh, if you look at the special editions of Star, those are just, right. that's what he's doing, you know, he's going and fixing things and bugged him about the source material.
1: And he's doing um, it with a much higher budget, you know, where he can fix things like, oh, you know this cut doesn't quite line up let's just digitally recreate half of it and sure you know layer over over the top of it with t- full digital effects yeah yeah i have seen
0: some fan edits that like use material from other movies that looks like it will work you know oh, to yeah. kind of like pay, 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 uh, pad things out like a lot of times if you're doing a uh, a fan edit of robin hood prince of thieves <laughs> you might Cut in some footage that looks good from Excalibur or even Gladiator. Anything that Mm -hmm. like you know might might suit what the time period and the weapons. And you wouldn't put Star Wars in there because well maybe you would if it's just dudes walking around in brown cloaks maybe that would fit. But if they're having lightsabers, you know maybe not so much. Um, I mean you could
1: you could take uh, audio from from other episodes or other movies like I can imagine you can go to Kevin Costner's catalog and pull any number of lines that he said in any film he's been in and just insert them like sort of as an off-screen dub uh, in Robin Hood men in tights and maybe change the entire damn story like I've seen fan edits that that endeavor to change the story entirely like make this mm-hmm. about something that it was never intended to be about Th- those are the sure. most interesting things to me it's like I-, I like seeing where people can blur the lines on like The narrative um that they're constructing here and like Mm -hmm. how how skillfully some people are able to do that with like leading bleeding music cues over like multiple shots that never had that music cue and like sound effects um work is some people are really really technically sophisticated with this stuff like far beyond Mm -hmm. anything i could ever do uh and i always enjoy seeing those so how
0: this project enters our space is for a long time, you know, Jim and I covered The Walking Dead on The Watching Dead podcast for, for many, many years, the better part of a decade. And as the series wore on, I remember many times saying, man, there's a good show buried under all of this bloat and, you know, 16 episodes a year and the the digressions and, you know, The Walking Dead Producers famously did not want to move on from locations like if they built a location, they wanted several seasons out of it, whether the the plot required it or not. And what I think is amazing about what Liverdad here has done is he's taken about 10 hours of network television and edited it into about 340. And it's so much better. It's so much better. Um and it, he's not just cutting stuff out he's also kind of reorganizing things he's gotten done some some video editing to to get different effects he's inserted sound effects, um, and like I said we're going to be providing links in in this uh, the show notes of this podcast of how you can download the two projects directly and I'm also going to provide a, a contact to Liver Dad's uh uh contact information himself in case there's a problem with the link or you just want to congratulate them on the work um i thought it'd be appropriate now to read his introduction and then we can get kind of right into we're gonna first we're gonna read his introduction they're gonna discuss briefly our thoughts on well not briefly at length our (laughs) thoughts on uh the fan edit and its success on its merits and then we're gonna talk about just kind of like you know walking dead nostalgia stuff
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's been what eight years since we've seen this i don't know
0: it's been a long time it's been a long time um so he begins, Dear Jim and Aaron, first, thank you very much for your continued efforts to, s- to entertain us during our own little apocalypse here. Your coverage of The Walking Dead Season 9 has been refreshing and feels like getting back together with old friends, and I hope you find yourself compelled to cover the 10th season. I have loved your coverage of The Walking Dead since the start, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that you guys have been a huge inspiration for me in attempting these projects. Quite frankly listening to the back catalog of seen, some of these episodes made my life as an editor much easier when determining what scenes to keep and what scenes to discard. Huh. Okay. <laughs> uh in in addition to my work, I hope other fan editors like myself will use your coverage as a blueprint for future fan edits. Mm, I have to Unlike, okay.
1: like so I had to preface I'm not a lawyer, I'm also not a film editor. <laughs> I'm also not a storyteller, so <laughs> we
0: are not consultants for this. Nope. We cannot be blamed. Uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> or credited. For, for this or any future fan edits, yeah. Uh,
0: unlike many fan edits I have seen, I did not simply just try to cut the episodes down, but also use music and sound effects outside of the show to better serve the flow of these movies. In addition, I also repurposed some of the music used in the show as well. I've been quite some time since you guys have viewed any of the episodes from the third season, but I'm hoping you'll be able to identify some of these improvements or elements and offer your insights on the, what you thought, how it could improve, how it does compare to other fan edits you've watched, what seasons you would like to see me and other fan editors try. Um, This is the big rub because this is all... um, Three hours and 45 minutes is already fairly stretching um, what we'll consider as an original work. Um, Hmm. But, you know, a, a bald move community member doing something they're proud of, we like to make those accommodations. But if I was doing this as a professional like gig, like if I did this the way I think it should be done... I would have to go back and rewatch the first two thirds of season three because you're right. It's been, it's been a long time. And I, some of them jumped out. Some of them jumped out just because like, well, this isn't annoying as shit. Like this is just like, yeah, like I'm watching this plot and it's just like humming right along. There's no like looking at the clock or like, what the fuck is on my watching? Why is this happening? This is bad and annoying. Like all that stuff is gone. And it, it's I've seen some fan edits where it's like, OK, if you've seen the thing, yeah. then you some of the holes are kind of like papered over and you don't. But like this one, especially the first the first one, yeah. um, the killer within is just a flat out better version of the first five episodes of season three.
1: No, I agree. And, and that's the thing about skilled fan edits, uh, which I think certainly the killer within is um, it, you. You. Even if you're familiar-ish with the source material, if you're not mm-hmm. the person who's gone in and studied it scene by scene, if you haven't essentially taken a college course on the film that the mm. fan edit is uh, is remixing, in the best fan edits you don't even know. You don't even see it. Like I've seen a lot of bad fan edits too, where it's like, oh, clearly that was a cut that was never in the original because the sound doesn't yeah. line up, and like you know, this was like starting to fade to black and then it jump cut to some other thing. And like, you can tell in bad ones, in the best ones you can't. And I think, yeah. you know, Liverdad has done a great job here making it. So I can't even tell. And, you know, it's been eight years, but it, I feel like that's, that helped it a, um, because I just, you know, I, I remember so little of this show that it really helped me get into it as like a new viewer of the walking dead. Like, mm-hmm, Oh, mm-hmm. I, cause that's what I, how I approached it. It's like, well, I want to come into this fresh and look at this through both kind of lenses. If I'm a new viewer of The Walking Dead, what does this thing look like to me? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing all these strange new people. Uh, you're kind of getting familiar with them through some of the in-world stuff that's happening as opposed to like knowing who these characters are coming in. I think it did a great job of that.
0: Yeah, I'll go so far as to say, like, mechanically, this is pr- pretty pristine. Like, I didn't catch any, like, actual edits. Now,
1: there, there narratively,
0: narratively, I felt um, a couple of the cuts. Like, I, I've, uh, and, and uh, I'll talk about those okay. in the second one. But actually seeing like I've seen the ones where like you can tell that, you know, this wasn't a natural cut and that there's some the action. There's a, lot, a lot of action scenes don't don't work as especially well when they're really edited close. But I didn't see any like technical like
1: yeah, missing
0: the, frames or extra frames or or things like that.
1: The only thing that I really noticed is it's weird when you're 45 minutes into this movie and credits pop up okay in the bottom of frames okay. but like what do you do about that because i i went and i actually yeah, yeah, tried yeah. to zoom in some of these frames to remove the credits um and it works but the quality gets so low at that point that plus it, it looks would be jarring, it
0: wrecks the the it wrecks the framing of it
1: it can yeah and if you want to try and keep it framed you got to zoom in you know just right or you could try and do some digital effects to remove that stuff but that is high level digital yeah, effects yeah, yeah. work i think
0: I guess yeah, I, I didn't mean that. I meant more of like um because that's this part of the print, you know. Um right. I just meant more of like uh those those dangling frames or really awkward cuts or something where it's like, oh, someone's standing across a room and now they're on the other side like it's, oh, it's that different kind of stuff. Clothes. Yeah, cuz it's yeah, from yeah, another
1: yeah. scene, sure.
0: Right. it's that kind of stuff that I thought like, I you know, um and that's the thing. I'll, full disclosure we kind of tried to talk liver dad out of this. Uh-huh. Like when someone comes and say, here's a big pile of money to commission a podcast and it's my own work and I'm super proud of it. I'm like, Oh Christ, I want nothing. I want, right. I I've, I've I've gotten enough guff from people who commissioned their favorite thing. And I'm just kind of like, meh, uh, like let alone something you've spent, God knows how many dozens, maybe even a hundred hours, uh, maybe more, yep. um, cut it, cutting this stuff down. um, and, uh, I was really, I remember the first, like, 15 minutes, I'm like, I was just kind of on pins and needles, like, God, I hope this is good, I hope this is good, and then by the end of the first one, I'm like, alright, I think, I think we can do this without, without, uh, making an enemy for life, which is, uh, one of the nice things, if you can commission a person they're happy with it, great, uh, if you can com- commission something and, and they don't hate it, and want to leave the Baldwin community forever, then that's, <laughs> that's even better, so, uh-huh. um, Uh, he's got a few shout outs and shout out to my fellow bald move members who were screen testers during the early stages of this process. You know who you are and your time and attention is greatly appreciated. Any listeners who would like to access these edits can email me at liverdad410 at email dot, sorry, at gmail.com liverdad410 at gmail.com. Um, and like I said, we're going to, we're going to have that link in the show notes. And hopefully, um, if he comes through a direct link to the projects themselves, but if not reach out to liverdad410 at gmail.com uh so do you want to just talk about the edit now
1: yeah yeah how, how are we gonna do this because I, I feel like you know he's constructed a narrative here that doesn't exist um for people who haven't seen it do we describe yeah it?
0: <laughs> well that's i don't know um
1: because i can describe it as a high level what he's done but uh, like getting into the you want to yeah, tough. if
0: you want to do if you want to do this run it down um, cause I've I mean, got, you know, I, I could talk about what he cut and didn't cut, but I have more like specific, like, um, I've, I've specific, I have things that like I observed about the cut in general and I have some specific yeah. things to talk about. But if you have like, you want to talk about the narrative, cause it's not, it's not like he's transformed it completely. You know, yeah, the narrative is Rick's group is desperate. They've been on the run through the harsh Georgia winter. Uh they're sick of it. They see this prison, it's overrun with zombies and they want to take it for the safety of their folks. Yeah. Uh juxtaposed against this governor who seems like a decent guy who's running a very nice comfortable operation with a bunch of families um and they got sturdy walls to protect them. Um, our friends Michonne and Andrea fall in with them, and it's like the unraveling of that situation juxtaposed against Rick's situation getting better. But then he also has a killer within, unfortunately, that uh, ends up yeah. killing within the prison, and that 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 leaves that note on a dirt. Do, do you have any? No. What, like what? What are? I mean, you you ran that's down that's good. the that's the narrative. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the the thing I will say is I enjoyed the the first one more than the second one. But I think that's because mm-hmm. the material is better. Um, the underlying material that he had to work with. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, that first one, Killer Within, um, is really, really strong. And I like the way he's taken it. And instead of doing what The Walking Dead was doing this season, which is like giving us full episodes, sort of focus in on a single part of this ensemble cast, one of the groups somewhere. He he's taken these storylines um, and woven them together in a way that's super compelling. Because like, if you look at it, the the first few episodes of of season three um, in The Walking Dead are the first episode is them taking the prison. Like they they spend the entire episode taking the prison, and you only get one scene with Michonne and Andrea where they're setting off into the woods. Uh, and then episode two is. I want to say entirely at the prison with them finding these new group of survivors in the cafeteria. Oh, Herschel's lost his leg at the end of first, the first episode, which is, yeah, happens way later in this cut. Um, Mm -hmm. like halfway through this cut. Uh, the third episode is all Woodbury. And then you come back and it's, it's like starts to blend them a little bit, but he's woven it really, uh, skillfully into each of them. And so like, in in the Killer Within cut, you've got Andrea and Michonne finding shelter at the same time that Rick's group is finding shelter, right? And mm. it thematically it like works so much better to have the be cutting back and forth between these things as, you know, we're hopefully finding safety for both of these groups. In the show, none of that is there because none of it's happening at the same time.
0: Yeah. And, and the pacing just feels much improved. Like it's got this Hollywood pacing where you stick with scenes longer. Like, you know, you don't have the commercial break coming along every 12 minutes to kind of wreck the pacing. Yeah. Um. But also like so much of The Walking Dead suffers from that kind of J.R.R. Tolkien storytelling where it's like, well, we're going to stick with this group of character throughout a whole book. And then and the next group of characters that the uh, throughout the other book, and then we'll kind of like throw them together in this next book. And, you know, that's, that's fine. But it also like, you really lose track of what's going on with those other folks. This felt like yeah. you said, it's everything's much more connected and it feels like it's building towards something.
1: I think that's one um, of the things we were complaining about in when we did the coverage uh, initially of season three and and four four was maybe even worse. Um, in that regard, it's just you know we we could never get into any of these characters because we'd not see them for three episodes at a time. You know, the governor right, would have an arc, right. and we'd forget what was happening with the prison.
0: Right, and and I it also made the um the the taking the prison itself feel like a real job. Yeah, like a like a multi part. It, it made the it made the. It it made the uh, whole endeavor seem much more impressive, and then also like when it go- it was referred in universe, you know, as people can continually be amazed, like oh my god, these are the guys that cleaned out the prison. I mean, like it it I felt like it worked a lot better. Um, yeah, there's
1: a lot of less is more here. Um, the, yeah, the, the transformation is really just comes from what he cuts, not what you know. Obviously, he adds.
0: And he streamlines so much, there's a couple points where it's like, we're what, like two thirds of the way through the killer within before we meet the convicts, you know, Isaac and yeah. Axel and all those. Um, and I thought, and I'm like, man, maybe he just edited them out. Because uh-huh. like, I was thinking to myself, like, do any of the convicts ever make it out of the prison sequence? And maybe he's just going to edit them all out. But but they eventually show up. Um, I think the governor is more of a slow burn character. For sure. Like they really emphasize his um you know, attractive qualities and they edit out some of the double deal like the cl- the the plain double dealing um that he does, especially with Andrea. Because I remember being really frustrated at Andrea, like these progressive revelations of how just fucking batshit crazy the governor is and she just can't let it go. Whereas this, it's like the way it was edited and in and 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 put together It's like, yeah, you'd see... You hardly ever see the governor doing weird shit. Like, I think he brushes his daughter's hair. You know, his daughter, if you you know The Walking Dead, is a a horrific subplot of its own. But that's all, like, in the... You don't even know, like, what the hell is going on. It it seems like... um, it just seems like he's much more of a conventional dude, someone that Andrea could fall in love with without feeling bad. And then when weird shit starts to happen, like the WWE style smash mouth gladiator shit um, and the tanks in heads, it's juxtaposed with the fact that Andrea lived for like half a year with Michonne who mm-hmm. canonically has her boyfriend and his best friend shackled up as dead zombies that she's removed the head Or their their jaws and arms, you know. And she's got them in chains as she leads them around. And she's walking around like this ninja. So, like, Andrea's baseline for what is weird and crazy behavior is different. And the governor's got a rational explanation for everything. Like, well, this is blowing off steam versus sick barbarism. This is, well, this is teaching people that zombies aren't dangerous with the pit fighting and all this stuff versus teaching them not to be afraid. It's like... You know, not being ashamed, like, you know, of, of liking to fight. And this is part of the world now, like fighting is living and living is fighting. It's kind of like a very, you know, like a like a pure connection. And the governor leaning into that to get his people mentally ready for the world. Like, I felt like it worked a lot better than in the show. Oh, yeah. you know, where it feels like increasingly. Andrew's is just insane or willfully ignorant for turning a blind eye towards this stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think like. You you mentioned the governor being a slow burn. It's like the governor they they lean way way into the governor being crazy. Um, you know, partially because the comics lean way into it, but the show leans way way into it. Like the first time you meet the governor, I think by the end of that episode, he's he's staring at heads and tanks. Uh, right, like like off into the middle distance at this horror show. Like it's it's so far fetched and ridiculous. Um. There is no time to think, oh, maybe the governor is a decent guy uh, because mm-hmm. that episode is telling you he's not. Whereas this cut takes you all the way up to the end before it reveals that the governor is not what he seems, you know. And and the the thing that they're doing with Michonne, you know, questioning, which the show did. Um, yeah. But the show did it over the course of like five episodes or something. This does it in a half an hour. Um, taking Michonne from uh, this person who is like skeptical of the governor to abandoning her friend Andrea because she won't abandon the governor. Um, it it all works so much better with the governor being a slow burn because by the end of it, you can understand why Andrea might not be seeing what Michonne's seeing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think
0: that also they did what I really liked about this edit is, um, I had huge problems with Rick, you know, Lori gets killed and it's very sad. But he spends a lot of time just straight up abandoning Carl and his new daughter to do stupid shit, like just mindlessly kill zombies and some psychotic. And he half, like, almost kills Glenn and Daryl in his bloodlust. And there's a lot of stuff where he's getting phone calls from Ghost Lori. Yeah. Um, I felt like that he, there's a there's a really good job at cleaning up Rick's storyline to where he's clearly be he's clearly affected by the death of lori and he's letting like him being super involved in stuff at the prison like you know he's throwing himself in his work but there's still people like herschel worried about like you know you need what what's what's really important is you to be there for carl and for the group and so but he's not like barking at the moon crazy and Mm -hmm. i feel like in the show to to balance the governor like they're trying to do something like you know Rick is a shadow reflection of the governor or just a you know a, like like Rick's uh, a dead daughter away from being the governor and having a tank full of floating and yeah. that still is i kind of think tracks through because i also noticed just how much more ruthless Rick's group was back in these days yeah. you know yeah they the 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 way they treat the convicts uh, the way they treat Michonne. I mean, he just, like, reflexively tortures Michonne within moments of meeting her.
1: Oh, yeah. Tyrese um, and Sasha are, like... Anybody who comes in this community is immediately, you know, put under the magnifying glass.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which, which makes sense, but, like, I, I think by toning down the governor... Because the other thing is, like... Yeah. And I, I... It almost comes through in this edit, but I just don't think there's enough raw material. Like, I think the governor... In the comic book, the governor is just a weird, sleazebag, crazy dude from the jump. You never feel like there's anything mm-hmm. attractive or non-repulsive about this guy. Whereas, you know, David Morrissey is an attractive man. He's got kind of a way about him. Um, And I just felt like the way to treat the governor was to have him be kind of like, you know, maybe an authoritarian, but a soft one. And he's approachable. And like maybe the stress of the situation is what's cr- driving him crazy. Um, rather than him just being crazy from the jump. And the show never really squared that circle between what the governor is in the comics and what the governor needs to be in the TV show. And I, I feel like this edit does a lot, lot better job. Um, it still oh, ends yeah. up being a lot, because, you know, like, uh, if, if if they could have done away with that head full of tanks entirely, <laughs> but you can't, because the climactic battle between him and Michonne take place in the headroom, so right um but if there's if there's a way to get around that i think it would have been about perfect because you can definitely understand a guy who's lost his daughter and then michonne like what michonne does is entirely understandable but it'll also be entirely understandable for him just to lose his shit and start just to be an entirely harder colder person in juxtaposition of rick who loses something and and ends up still maintaining his heroic role
1: yeah, and I think that's, you know, why I like the the Killer Within portion of this better than Made to Suffer. Um, the, those are the names of the two cuts that he's mm-hmm. done. Because, uh, I, like I said, I think the underlying material is just better. Um, and and the way that he leads up to the end of the Killer Within, the governor is still this good guy, still this good guy, still this good guy, all the way up to the very end. Uh, to the last time we see him, he gives this speech to the, the town um, about, like, Oh, you know, our our people went out, and we tried to save this group, and there was nothing we could do. It got out of hand, and he uses what in the in the original is a scene where we just see the governor being sadistic and and a shitbag killing all of these mm-hmm. people. He he cuts that as black and white footage as a flashback during this speech, and it right. works
0: so it, much. You know, better. It,
1: it shows it shows the lie right. It demonstrates the lie without, and, and maybe you know. The Walking Dead has the you know curse of needing to build a big set and to have fucking trucks and people and a gunfight and all this production. They don't want to just use it for a, a second and a half of flashback. They want to get mm-hmm. ten minutes out of the thing, right? So they can fill sure. their sixteen episode quota. I, I get that, and it sucks. And that's what we've complained about with The Walking Dead from day one is the 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 you know, the not like ultra skimpy uh production of this thing but the like re- recycling like use every part of the beast kind of thing there's it's the not just Walking cheap going on
0: it's thoughtless because you're right like you had you sat through the showing of the governor being a sadistic guy and then you got to sit through his telling of it and this does yeah. it all in once like as a, you're yeah. figuring out as an audience At the same time, you're seeing that, like, oh, what he actually did versus what he's selling it to the people and Mm -hmm. the juxtaposition. And it works so much, so much better. It's not boring. It's not boring to sit through. It's like, God, well, we know he's lying and this is stupid and it makes Andrea look stupid. (laughs) Michonne's looking smart because, you know, she did all the Batman detective stuff. And um, And I thought, yeah, no, you're right.
1: Governor arc through to the very end. Um, I I think that that speech scene might end. I, I'm i not sure. It's either that speech c- scene ends with this, or this is another scene between the two. But then he, they end this episode with a post credit sequence that comes on the heels of the governor brushing his daughter's hair, his zombie daughter's hair. Which um, is the, the first kind of like,
0: oh, this guy's
1: insane, yeah. Right, right. It's the first thing that's really like, oh, shit, okay, this is a bad situation. And then you mm-hmm. go to the post credit sequence on this cut, and... It's super ominous. No, nothing is really happening. He's just sitting down and inviting Andrea to go have a drink with him. But it's super ominous because of everything that we now know about the governor that we've been shown, you know, not 10 minutes ago. So,
0: right. It right. works really well for me. Um, I also think so. I talked about him toning down Rick's like insanity because there's this whole like it feels like most of a set episode where he's just down in the catacombs and the tombs of the of the prison, just slaughtering zombies, almost kills Daryl. I think he almost kills Glenn. Mm -hmm. Um, But now, like, they still have the interaction of, like, him going off to do it, but the way he edited it it sounds more like Rick trying to recover... Because Lori's body's still down there. They had to abandon it, you know? And uh, it's more about him trying to recover Lori's body than just going on some insane killing spree. Um, And also, they have... You know, Daryl finding Carol because in the first one, you know, uh, T Dog sacrifices himself uh, to save Carol. Carol goes missing for a while. There's there's like one line of dialogue where Daryl's like, "Yeah, I'll go too," but then the next time we see it, Daryl's like pounding his knife in frustration into concrete, be- and and the zo- he thinks the zombie's trying to get out of his closet, and out of frustration, he snaps to go kill it, and turns out it's Carol. I feel like there could have been a few more sequences of. I, I don't. And I don't know if they weren't there or if right. they were inextricably bound up and, and Rick doing crazy shit. Uh-huh. But like, I felt like there needed to be something there to establish. And and there was like they definitely established Carol's importance to Daryl. Like, there's a lot of this like um, you know kind of shameless flirtation and friendship that they have. Um, so you buy that he would. But I felt like there would. That was the one where I felt. Plot wise, there was a big skip because it's just Daryl saying, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna come too," and then Daryl finding Carol. And yeah, it, it's it, bare
1: bones for sure.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a little. It needs the the other thing I noticed too is because um, he obviously scales down some of these big moments that the show wants to treat as big, but we're ultimately dumb. But <laughs> he still needs a connect. And there's a couple. There's like two times I noticed where. These were like end of episode big moments that he treats as like connective tissue. Um, right cuz they had it so in
1: the middle somewhere of this cut
0: yeah so so they're this they're just transitional moments now but they still have this go for broke music and the angles are all shots. so you you know what yeah, like the last yeah. 5 minutes of the, of a walking dead looks like where they really amp up you know reaction shots for everybody and they're they're fi- they're filmed from the knees to make them look heroic and the music swelling and mm. it it felt kind of like you know cuz there's only so much you can do to like take that down and edit around it. And there's a couple things that felt just, it's just a way that like when you see the, you know, uh, directed by Greg Nicotero at the bottom, come up in the middle of it. It's like breaks you out of like, Oh, right. This is, this is now the beginning of an episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. You hit some of those end of episode moments that feel kind of jarring in the same, same thematic way.
1: For sure. Um, yeah, it's tough. You you got to work with what you got. Um,
0: Are you surprised? Are you surprised? I was actually surprised that he threw in ghost Lori at all.
1: Because there's a couple scenes. Let's talk about what they do with Lori and Rick. Yeah. Because he he does it really, really well. Um, Uh Uh-huh. So I I was looking through. I I went back. Because, man, it's been so long since I've seen these. I I literally didn't remember anything that happened in this season other than them taking the prison and Andrea Michonne going to Woodbury. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And so I went back and I watched some of these episodes and I discovered that there is like, I don't know, probably five hours of this season that is just Lori and Rick talking about how Lori is okay with however Rick wants to do things now. Right. She's feeling guilty about Shane. uh, It's an extreme
0: overreaction from season two bullshit. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so he cuts all of that shit out. It's gone, man. Mm -hmm. And it works so much Mm -hmm. better. Like, you know, as as the new viewer, if I'm coming into this and I'm going, I don't know who any of these people are. Well, he creates this tension between Lori and Rick, that's like very nebulous. You don't you don't really know what is going on between them, like what the issue is, but you understand that there's tension between them, um, and that they're mm-hmm. you know a couple, and that she's pregnant with the child, and you're just not sure what's going on there. And by by the end, you know, you never really find out exactly what's going on, but you find out enough to be like. Oh shit! This is you know unresolved something between them, and so it kind of leads into why he might be crazy uh, later on. I, I think excising all of that shit with Laurie is such such a good move. Yeah, you you, you it's don't just need a bummer. It. Yeah, uh, um, I, and then you're and, talking about the the parts where he goes, he starts to go crazy after that. He he excises yeah, th- so much of that too.
0: He he does. I almost wish I and I one of my questions that I sent back to him after I watched this is kind of want to know like what the goal is. And, you know, I don't know whether he's going to lean into like Rick coming back to the light in like a pretend, a potential third episode that, or a third movie he'd make from the remainder of season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, as it was, it's like, I really liked how much he de Rick, but then out of nowhere he sees like, uh, I, there's a couple of them that work. Okay. As a person who knows The Walking Dead, like, because um, yeah. they're they're showing they're showing him kind of skewing, and he does something artistic in the first one. Like he opens up with everything in black and white. You remember that uh, the, you know them surviving the harsh Georgia winter, and it's epitomized by them all like ransacking this place, and Carl's trying to feed him dog food, and Rick's yeah. disgusted. at Like yo, I look at how we've been reduced, and. He drops all the audio. Like they don't speak through any of these scenes that I thought gave Rick's group a really feral quality. I
1: I think like, that's mostly original stuff. Like maybe really? he removed a couple lines here and there.
0: But I thought there was some dialogue that he cut out, and it really gives it disar- just almost like the beginning of uh, 2001, where you're just watching the monkeys. You know, the the proto hominids. Like this, sure. it felt so much more primitive and feral. Like they don't even have to. There's no discussion. It's just all glances and body language and and intimidation and, and questioning and all that stuff. But um, he did something that I, I wasn't sure because I, I missed – there's a scene like in the beginning of that, it's all black and white, and the color starts leeching into it. And he lays this track of a baby crying, What sets up then at the end – when uh, baby Judith starts crying, this, the color starts to desaturate and bleed out of the film. And I think it's to suggest like Rick's kind of like mental state de- degrading. Um, so I think he definitely needed to do. I guess, he wanted to take that in some direction. In season two, definitely tone it down. But it's so toned down that like at one scene where he starts seeing ghost Lori and he starts gibbering to himself. It mm-hmm. felt like it came out of nowhere. And I, But on the other hand, you got to find a place to cut. And that's a really good scene of, like, Rick trying to, like, uh, still be a good guy, but also not be a complete idiot And as far as, like, trusting people. Which, Jesus Christ, that's The Walking Dead in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. That's I the know. tension. Like, people are good. You need more people to be ultimately safe and happy, but also people bad. Mm-hmm. And when you trust the wrong ones, they come kill you. And just flipping yeah. back and forth between those two, you the duality of happening.
1: man. We just watched season nine. That's still a theme
0: it's still a thing Only now it's Michonne instead of Rick. I, I do, I do wonder. Um, but, but I also, there's a couple other things like the fact when, when Wolverine chain shows up during the Woodbury, the first Woodbury raid, I thought that was cool. Um, but you don't really know who Shane is. And if you're just looking at this cut, so like, Oh, that's fair. What did that mean? Like Ghost Lore, you at least have the context for why this is happening, but like who the hell is that guy? Why does he look like somebody else?
1: Does that ha- that happens before or after he talks with Herschel at the fence and says, like, I'm seeing him, I'm seeing him, Herschel, or whatever? Because I, think, I, it I think, think he mentions before. Shane there, but you Maybe wouldn't know does. what Shane looks like. So you wouldn't Yeah, know but I guess that
0: Shane. you I guess that's not important because if you shut that in the movie, you know, you'd have to assume that it's um you know, you don't. You wouldn't know who Shane is. You're like, oh, maybe that's
1: Shane he's talking about. Yeah, you could probably um, just cut that. Although I think what he did with the Woodbury, um, you know, breaking in and rescuing Maggie and Glenn, rescuing uh, Daryl, all, all the all the made to suffer stuff that he does with the raids on Woodbury is really mm-hmm. well done. It, it ramps yeah. up the tension to have all of it happen kind of back to back, right? It's like he mm-hmm. cuts out so much of the. Going back to the prison and debating what they're gonna do, and you know, should we go after our friends? Oh, but we got people here to save. Like, all that shit's cut, and and they just like they go in, they they get Maggie and Glenn out. Uh, Daryl gets caught. They go back in to get Daryl. Like, mm-hmm. it it all just like feels like it's condensed. Like the hap- and the that happens is- over
0: three episodes, right? And oh this yeah. it's just
1: yeah this it's it's the first ten minutes of this thing is like them going in and saving their friends, you know, uh-huh uh-huh um which
0: like i said i I think that was really effective um there are a couple because he notices like the he's puts in sound effects and stuff there's a couple I didn't i I thought I caught, but I didn't get a chance to go back and there's one in the first one where the governor's just having his conversation with Andrea, and at the end of one sentence, he like clicks his teeth like he's biting at her. Um, and I'm pretty sure he put in that teeth clicking sound and I thought it was really effective as like the first kind of like, uh, the governor's not all what he seems. It gave him a very predatory feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other big audio cue I noticed is he, where Glenn has to 1v1 a zombie that Merle throws him in with. Yes. And he's duct taped to a chair. This is a pretty famous scene. We've talked about it a lot of times. But he did that thing where you've seen this in a ton of movies, where there's like Merle's got a radio playing real low during the interrogation, and it's like this happens in Inception. Um, it ha, it ha- it, I can think of a bunch of different movies where that diegetic sound just becomes the soundtrack, and it kind of swells up, and and the yeah, rest of the sound kind of drops. Like- Sure. yeah 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 it's this glenn fighting this desperate fight with a zombie to this classical kind of like love waltz or something uh-huh. and i thought it works as well as any of those times you've seen it before where it's oh,
1: okay that's that's one oh, of the yeah. one of the bits that i didn't like um you oh know, really th- this is not this is not a perfect edit i think you know some <laughs> of the the flaws have to do with just the underlying material like we said is is not very good to begin with um that was a choice that. You know, it didn't do it for me. It sounds like it did it for you, though. Yeah,
0: it's just um, I feel like that when that happens, it adds a little bit of an other world feel to it.
1: Yeah, I think Glenn... maybe it was just the choice of song, um, hmm. which sounds like it wasn't his choice of song. The liver dads, it was more the show's choice of song.
0: Well, I don't know that there's any song in there. I oh, thought that okay. he's like, I thought that he, that that was his whole idea is to add that kind of diegetic sound that swells up and becomes this, this the score, ju- the, and usually it's like something that really fits well, or sometimes it's a juxtaposition of, you know, the, the, like a, it's an intentional clash of, and I think that's what this was. It's this, like, just like yeah. a juxtaposition of this uh, old timey kind of. Ballad to this life and death struggle that Glenn's undergoing.
1: It might be because yeah, he I, had, I like it. Like in order to get that music in there, he has to cut the full audio. There, there's no way to like remove the score that's that's blaring. Sure. During that scene, yeah, and sure. so it's I imagine completely silent. There are no sound effects or anything. It's all just music. Um, that might not have been great for me. I'll, I'll say though the one. Other time he does that and uses like a big song as the the opening credits uh sequence for Made to Suffer, the the second movie he made here. Um, oh, and I the, thought that worked the, really well.
0: The WWE zombie gladiator shit.
1: Yeah, he goes right from this like hard driving song with the credits kind of, you know, cutting in, um, mm-hmm. like stutter cutting sort of thing, into mm-hmm. the the revelry, you know, of this gladiatorial combat uh at woodbury and there's kind of like the contrast they're doing the revelry in uh woodbury versus like the quiet contemplative sorrow of the prison right like he's he's doing some good stuff here um and and that music cue really worked for me whereas the other one didn't Mm. uh there were, were a few other times where he intercuts things in an interesting way that i enjoyed um one of them is when the zombies are being led around the prison with deer parts. Uh, and in the show, that all happens as the cold open of an episode. It's like episode three or episode four or something. Um, right. And so you see that whole sequence at once. In in this cut, he kind of parcels it out um, and cuts back and forth between a deer part, then a bit of a conversation with Rick and the group. Or, or clearing... Builds attention. Yeah, clearing those halls or something. It it really built attention a lot more effectively. Uh the other time is right before Carl has to kill Lori. Um, you know, before they cut her open and he has to shoot her in the head and all this stuff. Uh they do a flashback to season two where Rick's got Carl in the barn and he's telling him, uh, people are gonna die and you have to be ready for that. And it it kind of amps up it. It punches up that emotional moment, which is already fucking punched up. I mean, even in the show, that was a great moment. That part was well. We had the fucking fiesta that episode when Lori died, and we were so bummed by the episode, we almost couldn't do it. Uh, We had this half-hearted fiesta because it was such a good emotional moment. He knocks it up (laughs) another notch, and I thought it really worked well. Just, just those. You know, he he does that a, a couple times where he cuts in two seconds a second of a flashback to something and it just heightens it worked really well here's the the one last thing that i would like to see a cut do um a fan edit do and he doesn't go for it here and i don't know how possible it would be because you know between the governor attacking the prison the first time with this uh, you know ice cream truck full of walkers or whatever and the governor showing up with the fucking tank at the end, or I guess midpoint of season four. Mm-hmm. You've got almost a full season of television. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this is even possible because we've got a whole new group of prisoners and so much shit happens and you gotta get Tara in if you wanna do future episodes uh with her. But I would love to see a cut where there aren't two attacks. Like they, they already said Rick knows I they was... started something the previous night, right? He says that in this cut. Sure. He's like, sure. you know, we started something last night. And then the governor attacks, and I wish that would have finished it. You know, I wish we could get a cut where that first attack is intercut with the second attack, um, and a little bit of the. It seems like that's just the prelude,
0: that. and 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 you think that like okay, it's just going to be those zombies, and then the tank shows up or something. Because right. we I, I, we were talking about this after we'd seen it, like. Cause you gotta introduce Tara if you want this to continue on. If you want to continue doing, uh, you know, The Walking Dead improved, The Walking Dead not sucks edition, right? Um, and you need Tara. You need fist bump in there. But uh, does Tara need a long backstory, or can Tara just be, uh, a stand in for the Woodbury rank and file that think the governor's a great guy and following because like she meets Glenn, they get locked up in a cage together. There's an introduction there, like. Mm-hmm. You kind of get a good idea of her personality through that. I think you could just leave off the whole dad and sister and truck full of beefaroni and her failed her <laughs> oh failed God. police officer career. That's a whole fucking arc, isn't it? I yeah yeah, it's a whole three episode arc oh, that I forgot uh, about of the, the governor's flashback and all that shit. So I, I think you could because that was the biggest thing. It's like. They should have cleaned this set up at the end of if one season, but in probably yeah. at last another one before you get the, the final decisive standoff. And I think you could. I, I I don't know. I'd have to go through all the footage. And obviously, if I was going to do that, I already done a fan edit myself. But
1: And we talked about how um, there's no reason for the governor to back off on this attack, right? He goes in and he crushes opposition, which is what we've seen time and again. Right. If this is like a test of the might of the prison, well, he's given away... The surprise element, you know, he, right. he should have scouted them out with binoculars from the forest, from the, the, Plus surrounding it just woods feels and...
0: like an anti-climax. Like it, yeah. it, multiple times people have said, I can't believe you cleaned out the whole prison with 10 people. And the climax of this attack is an ice cream truck that has a dozen zombies. Oh no. Right. Yeah. What is Rick and company going to do? How can they possibly deal with the unanswerable threat of 12 zombies in their <laughs> inside of their prison fence? Yeah. But a tank, a tank showing up and yes. knocking down the walls, that is, that's an escalation. That is, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's something. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I wonder if you were a little bit more, or I guess it's not even too late to do that. If you wanted to tell that story, like this is just a prelude and you open up the next one with this. Because otherwise, but I don't know, you gotta, the things he has to figure out what to do with is Merle and Daryl. Because you got to resolve that arc somehow. Oh, I think you, he does it get...
1: really well here.
0: Oh yeah, but Merle eventually eventually gets killed.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, you're talking you know, about. That's the what the I'm whole, saying. Like res- Yeah. Ma- yeah Mar- you got to figure out the re- and the meeting with the governor. Yeah, Martinez. Uh huh. Yeah, and, Martinez,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and then, like like how much of the gov like if you really think about it how much of that like you know Rick and him parlaying giving an excuse for Merle that like I-, I wonder how much of that stuff is all bound up. Because um, like yeah. the first time when he opened up with the WWE zombie shit, I'm like, this is an interesting choice. I can't <laughs> believe this thing met the cutting room floor. But it does ease you into the governor's kind of craziness in a yeah. plausible way. And you need that for Andrea not to seem like an idiot, and also to make the point because he does make the point about like, oh, it's about b- about your friend walking around with the mutilated zombie friends and all that. Yeah, it it, it does make so. It's like I don't know how much of some of the stuff that like the second attack you're keeping in because he's got you know Welcome to the Tombs already kind of like in his mind laid out, and he needs that connective tissue because you know, for example, you could cut Carol and. If if you didn't want to focus mm-hmm. anything on Carol, if you didn't want to continue to tell the story, easy cut in the first one's getting rid of Carol and uh, yeah Carol and T Dog entirely. Oh for sure.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny because I'm not even sure T Dog has a name in this cut. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> I talked- think
0: I think Carol screams T Dog as he's getting his throat <laughs> as torn he's out. He's dying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. It's it's like the the Walking Dead dead, dead black band syndrome. I know in, intensified, mega evolved.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. I looked at that and as someone who's familiar with the meta of Walking Dead, I was like, "Oh man, that's funny."
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to go? Did you have any other observations you want to go through his questions and answers? Okay. Oh uh,
1: yeah, let's let's talk about the questions. So he's got.
0: so again, highly unusual for commission podcasts. We actually interrogated the original commissioner. Uh, Say, hey, we got some questions here. Okay, so what is your intent with this project? Because that's what we're trying to get to. Like, what did you include? What did you do not include? Did you intend it to work as a standalone film or as a sequel of sorts to season one and two? Did you intend to do more of these in the future? And if so, did that guide the things that you included or left out? He says, my intent, uh, Liverdad says, my intent was to try and appeal to both unfamiliar and familiar audiences of The Walking Dead. Create a version of The Walking Dead that everyone would like. This film was inspired by the fan editor Phoenix, who's responsible for the first Walking Dead fan edit of season one. Um, but technically, it's a sequel to his first fan edit in the entirety of season two, which I decided not to touch. Um, I thought it was very boring. I'm not sure what season I will do next. And no, it doesn't have any influence on what I will include in discard. Just a compressed version of The Walking Dead that still tracks narratively. And I think especially the first one is, is a... Like, it, it's similar to Wrath of Khan, where, like, uh, you can watch the Wrath of Khan, and it just works as a movie. You don't need to know who Kirk and Spock and McCoy, Khan, yeah. any of that stuff. But if you understand, it works even better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So, I think he was successful, especially with the first one. Um, yeah, and I, for all so that I'm
1: a little puzzled by, like, he's when he says, I'm not sure what season I'm going to do next. Because he, I don't think he's gone far enough in this storyline yet to complete the arc. Like like there is, there is a complete arc here. Right. And it ends with the prison being overrun by the tank and walkers Uh and them having to flee. And I think like if you bookend your, your trilogy or whatever you're doing here with the, the Rick's group, you know, desperately looking for the shelter, then they find the shelter. And then it's bookended with them desperately fleeing the shelter. That's a really right. nice package. That'd
0: be a nice, it'd be a nice three arc, three film arc. I think. But, but I
1: think you get it done it two. Like honestly, you go back and you m- maybe cut the uh, Daryl and Carol stuff. You like the, I said, you lose. You probably, probably
0: lose uh, Daryl Carol. You probably lose Daryl and Merle if you condense this into like just Tyrese one. Tyrese could a-
1: probably go. I, I have no idea that whole. If you weren't going to go forward,
0: go. right? If you weren't going to go forward, right? They are not be really her for Negan
1: later and all that shit.
0: Right, right, and even the terminus plotline, yeah, which I would be tem- I'd be tempted to cut if I was making a definitive Walking Dead fan edit. I'd be tempted to cut that, except for there's so much good Carol stuff, right? Like her leaning into the the crouching housewife, hidden dragon plot of Alexandria uh-huh. wouldn't work without her being Rambo and terminus. Yeah, um,
1: but you could take, uh, like I said, combine the first attack on the prison and the second attack on the prison, and you could almost mm-hmm. get this done in two with adding another 10 minutes to your cut that you've got.
0: Seems ambitious. I feel like, it, it I is, feel like yeah. three, three, two hours would probably be a pretty easy, and you could probably service almost all the plots. For sure, um, for sure. But the... Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess if I was going to vote on what you do next, I would do the I'd finish out season three or maybe take season three and season season four and just like, you know, try to get try to get in one more two hour cut all the way to Alexandria. Uh huh. Um, All, All
1: the way through Terminus all the way.
0: Yeah. And then once you're at Alexandria, I would think another two things of movie like like another four hours and you'd be all the way through Negan yeah right yeah like I like it I would not be <laughs> surprised at all if five six seven and eight can be cut down to like four hours
1: man this this is the thing about fan edits I know that it would take tens upon tens of hours to make those edits and, and like oh, I could understand yeah, if liver dad is just like i'm over season three and four like this fucking governor arc i'm Uh i can't stand to look at it anymore (laughs) i don't want to do what you guys are saying because i just don't want to do it i want to move on to something else i could totally get that
0: um i asked i asked him some things like what was his most painful edits like what were the things that you had to like you really wanted to but i didn't really go anywhere and (laughs) Uh, throwing some amount of shade at The Walking Dead, he says, oh, no, they were all easy. Like, mostly <laughs> what I cut out was just stupid shit from Woodbury. Yeah, uh, He has a partial cut list. I think it might be interesting to go through that. Um, I mostly cut a lot of the Michonne and Andrea stuff while primarily focusing on Rick and his crew, which is a good decision because I didn't, mm-hmm. like, none of that stuff felt cut. In fact, if you had asked me, I would have said you'd, you'd, you'd made, you must have kept all of it because yeah. everything I needed to understand about Michonne and Andrea and all that stuff is worked. Um. so I removed this transitional zombie attack on Michonne and Andrew as they observed the governor and his crew for the first time I removed conversation between Andrew and Merle and the Woodbury doctor's office Re- removed Michonne discovering captive walkers in Woodbury and causing mayhem removed the reveal of the governor's fish head of tanks which we talked about solid removed the breakfast that Michonne, Andrew and the governor and Milton have together yeah. Uh. removed everyone settling into the prison for the first time yep yeah removing Rick explaining to the prisoners how the downfall of humanity went, which, like, why? We 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 watched this show for two seasons. You're going to make <laughs> us sit through that? That'd be like when, you know, in, in Terminator 2, where, uh, like, um, what is it? Is it the John, young John Connor? Like, uh, the Arnold sits down and levels with Dyson about, like, his plot. Like, imagine they took 30 minutes to, like, recap Terminator 1 and 2. Yeah, yeah. But they don't. They yada yada for five seconds and they just cut them dice and saying like, I think I'm going to feel sick. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, Remove the first attempt of the prisoners attempting to kill walkers for the first time. Yeah. Cause they were like really bad at it. It's like, that's, that's the thing. Not There's so much redundancy. In, in so much. Show. Just padding, padding, yeah. fat. Removed all, a, a lot of the drama between Rick and Lori, which holy shit. There's the biggest much
1: lump of fat
0: huge improvement yeah 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 although I I was one of the more ridiculous things I remember is remember the giant fat the the fat pregnant zombie that they found and there was like at, at the culmination of Rick's clearing where like you're left to wonder is that Lori's body yes. who Rick's hallucinating into thinking it's a fat zombie or yeah. is that a zombie who just literally came across Lori and ate every bit of her right
1: right bones <laughs> and all just
0: bones and all just there's a, just a yeah, this is a bloody spot on the ground, and now you got this zombie with this visibly distended stomach. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. So, what were the easiest cuts? He said the easiest cuts by far was all the Woodbury stuff. There was more than enough footage removed yeah. there, and I wanted to keep the governor a little more mysterious in terms of his character. Really Mission good instinct there. Yeah. Obviously, by the time you get to the part of the movie where he's clearly telling a bald-faced lie to his people about the helicopter pilot's military friends and what happened to them, it's easy. Uh, it's easy to see why Andrew would believe him, but Michonne has a special scent for liars and thugs. And yeah, she was just seemed to be more distrusting and inquisitive throughout the whole ordeal. So that made mm-hmm. sense to me.
1: Um, yeah, that's overall, all the kind of great, great job. Like I'm, I'm super impressed with the, the entire fan edit. Um, you know, some style stuff that I have minor problems with, but it's it's impressive.
0: To the extent that if he was able to uh, finish out season three and four with something of similar quality, I don't know why anyone would go back and watch the original <laughs> material. Yeah, like it's just less of a it's it's not it's not a waste of your time, and and it reveals what I said for a lot of the seasons of The Walking Dead, which is there is a really tight, compelling story being told here under all of this shit. Mm-hmm. And boy, that first the, the the killer within, especially, is just. That's the story that The Walking Dead was trying to tell, and if it weren't for AMC Studios executives meddling and arbitrary budget, like again, this this is not a cash-strapped operation. This is a this is an operation that was making money hand over fucking fist. Yeah. In fact, it's so jarring to see them driving around in the brand new Hyundai's. Remember, did, did you notice let's, those? Let's
1: talk about some of those brand new moments.
0: late. Brand new late model Hyundai's all over the place. Sparkling Completely clean. Break. Yeah, yeah. In addition to all, in like all the post apocalyptic trucks and ice cream trucks mm-hmm. and shit like that, you always got a brand new Hyundai Santa Fe. <laughs> Everything because else is
1: bombed out. Like like it's been in the Iraqi war zone. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> yeah, except for the Hyundais, they were spared uh-huh. because of conspicuous product. This money, this produ- this pro- this production was making money hand over fist. Yeah. It's entire first six or seven seasons. And were they putting that into the production? No, no. They because were constantly trying to rob from this production to pay for other shit or line their own pockets. And it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were trying to kickstart a whole a whole thing, right? This is around Mad Men era. This is uh, AMC. Shit. What was Breaking Bad on AMC? It was, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. 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 They had three pretty enormous shows, and they were trying to kickstart just a whole network based on this stuff that used to be movies, like shitty old movies. <laughs> there's a world, fair, shitty, but old.
0: There's a world in which the Walking Dead and the and Game of Thrones both concluded on an eighth season, and we're we look back and be like, oh, the Walking Dead was the masterpiece the whole time. Yeah, but yeah, they fucked around, and that didn't that didn't happen.
1: I mean, there are at least three seasons of chaff that can be. Uh, yeah, extracted yeah.
0: here. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about just like nostalgia for The Walking Dead? I'm, I mean, I'm I love seeing
1: some some things like the Hyundai, right? Because we yeah. we joked so much about this. Half of this nostalgia stuff is just shit the, that we the, talked about on the podcast. Can't,
0: can't have a dent or scratch or even a layer of dust or grime. No. It has to be. But for for some reason, it's got to be a puke green color, like something <laughs> Walter White would pick out because it was the cheapest factory option. <laughs> Can't yep. be cherry red or black or anything. It's got to be. It's got to be puke. It's got to be pea green, but spotless, immaculate.
1: I feel like Lori also flipped a Hyundai at some point.
0: <laughs> right on a road with no road. obstructions, broad daylight. Yeah, uh-huh. flat level ground. I want to say that
1: was a Hyundai as well. Uh, it was so jarring to see everyone so young because this is almost a decade ago, uh, yeah. and just seeing like the change of. Norman Reedus, uh, especially, was jarring.
0: This 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 shows aged him like a U.S. the average U.S. presidency. Like you remember those yeah. pictures, of like Barack Obama mm-hmm. in like 2008 versus Barack Obama 2016. That's Norman Reedus, man. He, he had yeah. what you would call boyish looks, and now he's like his hair's longer, he's beefier, mm-hmm. much older. Um I miss, I miss young, young, young Reedus.
1: Uh, also little baby Carl. Like, I, you know, Carl's been off the show now for what, two seasons at least? Yeah, Uh, at least. Or or more if you're, if you're caught up to date on Walking Dead, but it was jarring to see him so young. It looks like a baby.
0: Yeah, all the the young, old faces, like T-Dog, Glenn, Babyface Glenn, uh, like I said, little Carl. Yeah, Carol, Herschel doodle bug man
1: i miss herschel so fucking much i like he was even such in this cut he's amazing but he actually had much he had a lot more stuff um to do in mm-hmm. the original show even in this season and it's all really good like putting yeah. the screws to rick when rick's freaking out and they need his help because they're being terrorized by the governor like and he's that really that the only so one good. that can do it he's really
0: yeah. the only one that can do it daryl could but he doesn't have the interface he needs to do something like this where herschel can he's the one that can reach rick even when he's crazy even when he's flying off the handle uh which is why you know we talk we praise the high heaven the uh the reprise he has of his role in mid-season nine um and it works because he was always a great character and uh uh he was just always act really really well acted Mm mm-hmm um, Chad Coleman as Tyrese was good to see, like, and, and kind of a really good character. Like that line he had about like, uh, cause, uh, Saniqua Martin Green as Sasha, who also had turned out to had the more long lasting character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're debating about whether this is stupid or something stupid or not. Like you know, uh, there's to this take guy this woman who's, who's
1: bit into the yeah prison, into their shelter with him.
0: But she just got bit, and the husband's losing his mind, and like Tyrese is getting all that, and she's like, "This is insane! It's a mistake!" And he's like, "Well, it might it yeah it it might be a mistake, but but and also yeah." Also, it's a mistake we can afford to make. Like, you know, if she turns, we'll... You know, it's like... I, I thought, like, there's something inherently decent in that character that I really like seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, this helicopter crash, I can't believe The Walking Dead staged something that complicated and it looked that good. Sure. Like, you compare that to The Raging River, if even season nine taken uh-huh. out... The, like, it's like night... And it was all CG. There's no way they wrecked a even an old Vietnam-era Huey, right? Yeah. But it looked good. Like the CGI looked really well and it was, it was well, it was, it was well shot and, and well presented.
1: Yeah. One of the things you lose in a fan edit typically, although it would be cool if fan edits went back and did this is subtitles. Uh, mm. And I found myself really struggling at times because I almost always watch the walking dead with subtitles. It helps. Same. Uh, trying to decipher what Daryl's saying without subtitles is almost impossible. Sometimes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, 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 nah.
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's a challenge and i had to rewind uh, like five six times on some of these scenes to did daryl just say something crazy or did i misinterpret it
0: yeah especially when like him and merle get back i feel like he's like even more daryl because it's yeah. you know he's trying to fall back in that role he like uh, what little polish he had with rick's group just kind of like rubs away um yeah
1: it's good i
0: do you, is it just, do you think that the cinematography on The Walking Dead first few seasons is much better than late Walking Dead?
1: I remember the first season being really, really good when Darabont was running this thing. Sure. Um, but I don't, I, watching this, I will say I didn't detect a noticeable difference, but I, I haven't been paying much attention to that.
0: I thought I noticed a different a difference in the film stock. It looked more like movie quality versus like made for TV Um, I also thought, and maybe this is not better cinematography, but more inventive shots. There's like a lot of shots that were like framed from uh, the window of an abandoned building or like a broken window in a car or like where when they were just, they spent like three seasons running around in the woods and there's just not that much you can do. Um, I I felt like the the structure of the shots and the angles, the camera angles and stuff were a lot more inventive and less static. It's a lot more meat and pota- potatoes late season Walking Dead, I think. Even season nine.
1: I mean, Which that's, is a lot yeah. better
0: and they've gotten a little bit back to the more atmospheric stuff that was going on in the first especially season. Um, it just... It, I saw Walking Dead in this era looked better.
1: It probably did. I mean, they had far more viewers. Um, so I'm sure they were sweating some details. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, having having the show look a certain way was probably one of those details. It was like 14 million viewers or something. Oh on, yeah, it was massive. Network TV. The, um the height
0: of this it was like 18 million and that wasn't even like the plus three. That was just like there yeah. at 9 p.m Sunday nights, asses on couch numbers. Right. And now
1: it's sub four, I think. So like, yeah, I would imagine like if they're gonna cut corners, that's gonna be one of the places where they do it. Sure. Um I also appreciate this the fresher zombies.
0: You know, like we've been dealing with these like skeletonized mummied walkers that like actually zombies that had a little bit of more vitality that were individually
1: more impressive. You know, I thought that when you pull a knife out of them, they squirt a little blood and pus and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You can tell the people that they used to be rather than they're just all a bunch of like fucking liches out of uh, Skyrim, you know? Yeah. They're dragar's out of Skyrim. Uh, I yeah I like the fresher zombies. It makes like it it does make sense that as the zombie apocalypse wears on, that the zombies are less and less you know decrep. Yeah, you know, and, and every once in a while you'll see a uh-huh. fresh zombie versus an old one. But I, I liked when the baseline zombies were like sallow sallow cheeked, sunken eyes rather than s- mostly skeletonized like they are now. Yeah, yeah. Um. Maybe not as cool special effects, but it just I don't know. I like seeing the old zombies. Also, this is I forgot that like. This was before a lot of people knew about biting, like, like the fact that if if everyone dies, like this was still a secret that the show was keeping from us. Yeah. And that like the governor and Poindexter knew, but like Michonne and and Andrea didn't. That was neat. Like going back and seeing like Walking Dead history being made.
1: And the guts stuff that was happening, like Michonne discovering the guts uh, camouflage you. Whereas we knew that from like episode two or something.
0: Yeah, and she knew that like her zombie pets could camouflage her, but like you know, yeah, yeah I, I thought, and I I thought when she killed them, I'm like, this isn't a lot of unnecessary gore, but then I realized what they were doing with it. Um, I thought of unnecessary the action- gore.
1: Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> the the one thing that we talked about earlier, I think you brought this up, is when they peel the when they're taking the prison, they peel the mask, the gas mask off. Oh from, man. The- I forget it's it's like a bulletproof mask or something off this yeah, walker yeah. Uh-huh. and just all of the face skin peels away with it Ugh,
0: it's so gross and i rem- i knew it was coming and i'm like i hope he doesn't uh. cut that out and of course they didn't and i will say that like the way he cut the prison the actual prison assault itself was very dynamic and exciting um yeah, you know, that like absolutely. when it all leads up to like Herschel getting bit and you got to whack his leg off real quick like that shit is is brutal and metal and visceral, and it's not like you know, in th- at this stage of Walking Dead, like a couple zombies just aren't a threat, right? Yeah. Where this was like constantly afraid for all your main characters, and all that tension just came back effortlessly. I thought
1: when I was and he watching he it, keeps another moment of gore, uh, that I appreciated when they Merle and Daryl are on the bridge and that family's getting attacked and they save them, I... and he smashes. This zombie head in the hatchback, in, in the trunk of the hatchback, and it explodes mm-hmm. like a, a watermelon at a Gallagher show. And it's it fucking does. stellar. It
0: does. I had that note, the the trunk kill. Yeah. That had to be zombie kill of the week, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Back when we were doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I did th- thought it was funny, Um, Lori's benediction to Carl, that like, you're going to beat this world, I just know it uh well turns (laughs) out chandler riggs is turning 18 he's gonna have to have a bump in salary and uh Mm. you know we can't supposedly the central character of this whole arc nah he's not gonna beat it he's not gonna beat it Lori. yeah um it's a real shame the the go back i fucking love the go back (laughs) like i because i was watching it i'm like what is this gob god god what what right. what's the me- is it is it even a message and go go back? Go Gar-
1: Julio. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mhm. And yeah, Merle just fucking kills this guy and, and he's maniacal in the for the early goings of this th- thing. The the cut um, that he did
1: actually made me realize something they were doing with Merle that you know they they had the overt racism of Merle, right? Like calling mm. people names and shit. Oh yeah, and he starts it up immediately when he gets back into group too. Like Jesus Christ! Oh yeah, he can't keep his fucking mouth shut. They have to knock his ass out. Uh, but but something they're doing that's a little more subtle is like he asks this kid, "What's what's your name?" You know, and and it's all under the guise of like I'm just gonna lull you into false security and shoot you. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the kid's, like, telling him, oh, yeah, my name is Gargiulio, and he repeats the name Gargiulio, and then when he goes back to the governor to report what's, what happens, he's like, oh, yeah, we lost Tommy and this other guy. Uh, Tommy and the, Frank and... Tommy Frank and the Ford, other guy, yeah. and yeah, he doesn't say his name, and then the governor says, Gargiulio, and he's like, yeah. Like, he doesn't even... really. He doesn't even want to say the the foreign kid's name, right? It's like, fuck you, man.
0: I think he's already forgot. Like that's just like, yeah, he, right, those right. those people just don't matter to him. Uh yeah. in a very real yeah. way.
1: It's real um, subtle and it's actually really good work that The Walking Dead was doing that I don't know that I even realized the first time through. But but you yeah, know, that's- this cut condenses things to where I take note of those those kinds of subtleties. Yeah,
0: it I makes it also like watching the second one because I, I don't think it's I don't think it's um it's not that it's not as good as the first one. It's just like you said, the material, because it's just so much more pulpy. Yeah, you know, like like this thing takes a turn into the governor being a slasher type villain when Michonne discovers the da- the daughter, and that leads to the the fight with the tank of heads and him getting stabbed in the eye. Like it's just it's it's just so pulpy. Yeah, I don't um, think you do
1: that. You know, um, that that black and white filter. I don't think you do the silence at the beginning of the second movie. Right? It's like. Right. That wouldn't fit tonally with the material. Yeah.
0: And I just want it's like, man, if there's a way, was there a way, it's a way to condense that to where you skipped all that stuff. You kept, kept the governor of like maybe having him, he's more and more extreme reactions, but it's understandable. It's more of a tragedy of, well, you know, the governor's got some crazy things about him, but look at Rick, you know, he's torturing Michonne when he first meets her. He's turning away these people. He's brutalizing these prisoners. Um, it's, it's a little bit more it'd be a little bit more arguable, um, but even I thought also, too, it was a, maybe a weakness of the original material where the Merle takes these like the governor spins this defeat that they've they've had. And then, and, and, you know, he can't say, well, you know, we we're actually raping and torturing the, some of Rick's people. And that's why this happened. He has to blame it all on Merle. And Merle takes it all lying down. He never tries to verbally defend himself. He just instantly goes like, well, I guess I'll escape out of here with my little brother. I don't feel like that was very much in Merle's character. Again, this isn't an edit problem. This is the Walking Dead problem. Like, can you imagine a world in which the governor accuses Merle and Merle doesn't immediately start up his shit? Well, let me tell the people of Woodbury a little secret about you. (laughs) And, you know, like he doesn't say anything, doesn't say anything about it. No, you're right. Uh, it's, yeah, like I said, it was, it. it's, it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad, I guess this is kind of serendipitous that, um, the commissions reopened right at the same time that this guy was finishing his project. Cause like if this guy, if we'd opened commissions and we hadn't gone back to walking dead, I probably just refused the project because yeah, yeah. I'm like I fucking hate The Walking Dead. What get you? What you keep save your money? You 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 don't want this. It's going to end in tears, <laughs> right? But like The Walking Dead kind of redeeming itself in season nine, with me kind of increase my appetite for this N- Walking Dead nostalgia. And this is just a this is just a better this is just a better version of it. It's like uh, I don't know. It's it's like. Um, it, imagine if, like, you'd never seen the original Star Wars, you'd only seen the special edition, and like Han shoots first, or uh, Greedo shoots first, and mm. Han walks on Jabba's, and all this shit that's like schlocky and doesn't really fit. And then you saw the despecialized version. It's what it feels like when you're watching this. Yeah. Except for the good version never existed. It's just he found it in the editing. No, it, uh,
1: it almost tricks me into wanting to rewatch some of this uh, season, some of seasons three and four. I know I'd yeah. be in for pain if I did, but. That's That'd what like, I'm
0: saying. Yeah. R- realizing he condensed 10 hours of television into just four, and yeah. you don't miss a thing. In fact, you could argue, maybe cut another 10 minutes and really, really get it down to brass tacks. Yeah. Um is, no, I, it's, I think like this I said, edit it's,
1: is, less is more in this edit, and he does a great job of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Uh, Really good work, Liver Dad, and I hope some people take you up on your offer to share this with them, because like, if you mm-hmm. are finishing up on season nine like we are, and you want to go back and see some early stuff, remember why that we were really rooting for this show, why we wanted this show to pull out of the nosedive. It's because there was some really... We spent this so many times that it was never about the special effects. It was never about the story per se. It was never about the performances. It's just the slapdash bullshit nature of how this stuff was all assembled and the, 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 uh, maniacal need to inflate things. So you could stay on, you know, you could use Woodbury for two, three seasons, the prison, you could use it for, you know, multiple seasons. It wasn't a narrative need. It was a purely budgetary. Yeah. Um, and it's a damn shame. And this shows like what, what things could, could be. So, uh, yeah really good work liverdad uh again we're going to have the links to contact liverdad and also uh, direct download links uh, to both of these things uh, in the show notes if you want to download those um, i highly recommend it because it's 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 a lot of fun it's a great way to revisit the walking dead my rec you know so i guess he wanted to know like other things that we would like to see um i mean selfishly i think the walking dead would be i would love to see uh I'd love to see the finish of the Governor arc because I do feel yep. like another two hours and you'd easily do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you want to, like, and I, I think it's, it's the other thing, man, you see Negan so good in season nine that I, it, man, I know it's a bunch of work, but like taking the whole Negan Alexandria arc and condensing that into another tight four to six hour, yeah, you know, sequel or trilogy would be amazing. Um, has anyone ever taken a poke at making a decent Hobbit out of the nine hours? Uh, of...
1: I th- probably, probably
0: because like that to me seems like very low hanging fruit. Yeah. Like there again, you got great actors, great visualization. Uh, the, the bones are all there. It's just way too much fat on it. Like I, if you could cut the, if you could cut the, uh, all of the Hobbit down to like two and a half to three hours, I think that would be an amazing project. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of lately, if there's anything I've been seeing that um,
1: I would love feels to Feels like it's just I would love to see somebody try and take all nine of the mainline Star Wars episodes and condense them down to one, two, let's say two and a half, three hour movie. <laughs> I, I don't know what that well, would look like, but I feel like you might you might get it done. I don't know.
0: That seems crazy, and I've never seen this. I need I need to uh, seek it out, but it's a, uh, speaking of Topher Grace, we talked about his name being um, raised in conjunction to some... He actually did a fairly infamous prequel edit where he cut down all three of the prequels into a 90-minute like 98-minute runtime film, that seems crazy.
1: Okay, maybe you could get it done in three movies. Like, if you could get it done in three two-hour movies. Yeah,
0: every trilogy in yeah. a single film. Because, uh-huh. uh, like, yeah, if it was just like two and a half hours, it was it would be <laughs> like... Uh, you would have no care. It would just be pure action beats. Like, this thing happened, yeah, then this yeah. thing happened, then this thing happened, then this thing happened. You could Did cut, you cut a whole to- Death
1: Star. You could you could get a whole, sure. a whole movie out just by cutting a single Death Star.
0: Sure. You know what? I think... <laughs> If you exclude the prequels, but if you inclu- include the sequels, you could actually edit everything down to just A New Hope.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's Star
0: Wars. Perfect. How many more Death Stars do we need? We got we got three more by the time we get done with the, the yep. rest of the sequels? Nah, fuck them all. We had one Death Star. <laughs> got blown up. Throne room scene. Done. Done. Give know. give Chewbacca's fucking medal you're
1: done. <laughs> That's what you need. You yeah, key, digitally yeah. composite a, a metal onto Chewie.
0: You need you need to take the scene where old ass Princess Leia gives Chewie the medal finally uh-huh. and the final Star Wars. Just add that to the end of A New Hope. Done, done. You, you just go. cut it all down to a two hour movie. You're, you're you're it's it's easy. It's so easy. Uh, yeah, I can't think of a uh, because uh, like he, I, I'm not in the habit of covering shows that need to be cut down like The Walking Dead did. Yeah. You know uh i mean true blood sure you want to you want to you want to do like a serious scary version of true blood it's probably there too but hmm.
1: um like i wouldn't cut a second of breaking bad uh i i would i would love uh, oh what about game of thrones you think you could re-edit the ending of game <sighs> of thrones into something
0: yes coherent Our- I do. I think you could probably take season six, seven, and eight, and and edit it down into something that's not that shockingly bad, for sure, for sure. Into like
1: a single season, maybe take that and break probably it down to like eight eight hours ish.
0: Yeah. Uh, you say Breaking Bad, but I do wonder if you couldn't get rid of the the things, the bugaboos, and and that are the airline crash, I know, and that. <laughs> the neo Nazi plot. Uh, maybe tighten that up a little. I wonder if you could get rid of that and just like intersperse all the like Walter White's personal life falling apart, you know, um, and, and, hmm. and put that to where it's all like, like Gus gets to, dist- but no, cause that's the arc, right? Like Walt wins and he's, he's won and then he has to have his fall and it lasts a whole season. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of fat on them bones. And I, I just a personal it's bugaboo really about the airline stuff. Um but uh yeah, Stankiah like, yeah, like walk, Walking Dead is the is the <laughs> target rich environment because there's so much good and that's the thing like most shows that are this bad it's across the board, acting, costuming, everything is just uh, but like even here like there's some really good dialogue that if you don't have to yeah. sit through an hour and a half of shit to get to it, it it lands really well. Um and it's the only it's really kind of the only show I can think of it where it's so well made, but so thoughtless at the top level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you did a really good job, Liver, Liver Dad. The, the links are in the, the notes. Uh, thank you for your support and the commissioning of this podcast. I hope I hope uh, that we gave you what you wanted. And uh, if if you do a future project, uh, shoot it over our way. And uh, I'd like to take a look at it if, if we could. But yeah, that, that'll that do it for this commission podcast. If you were curious about how commission podcasts work, how you can get your own uh, favorite TV, film, or hell, fan project uh, commissioned, it's easy. Go to support.baldmove.com and click on the link about commissioning a podcast and it's got all the information for you. Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.